Good morning people, I'm Richard Sefton and this is State of Mind with Richard Sefton. I like to talk to people, find out what they're about, what makes them tick, so today is no exception. Hope you enjoy the episode. Ben Bradley has been a Member of Parliament for Mansfield in Nottinghamshire since 2017. I met Ben when we were both taking part in the LBC's Cross Question. He seems to have been in political life forever and yet is only due to turn 33 next week, is that right? 33, getting on. <laughs> Shh, I'm older. I wanted to find out all about him. And so, Ben Bradley, how are you? I'm all right, thanks, apart from feeling old after that. Um, I have been around for ages. It's no good at all. Feeling old at 33, nearly. I just, yeah, perks of the job, I think. I get older every day. How long have you actually been in political life and in politics? Uh, well, I've been here for five and a half years, which mm. is where you start to get you know, kind of the pressure of it is like a proper full-time thing. Uh, but I've been a councillor uh, and worked for an MP and done some other bits since about 2013, so nearly a decade. Always conservative. Uh, yes, for that time. I never, to be honest, I was never interested in politics when I was a kid. I couldn't tell you as a teenager what my, my politics were. Um, but I've probably become increasingly conservative since I got here, actually. Um, <laughs> and kind of debated... The, you know, you, you get into the philosophical conversation much more when you're in Westminster and whatever than you do in real life. Mm. Pick a side and stick to it almost. Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, you know, if only politics were that simple, right? Uh, who knows uh, what uh, kind of ideological perspective any given government will come from at any given time. You could argue a bit about uh, how <laughs> conservative the current lot are, um, but let's not go there. Eh? Well, we, you know, inevitably will do. What, what about your parents? What, were their, what was their politics like? Uh, none, really. Uh, so they, my dad was and has been and always been a, a copper. Um, and my mum was the kind of civil servant council officer, you know, worked in public services. So we didn't talk about it. They were both, um, well, publicly had to be impartial from that perspective. So it was never a dinner table conversation. I was just a bit of a sports nut, to be honest, at home. And that was all we talked about. A sports nut? What sports particular? Uh, all sorts, to be honest. It's my my um, release, I suppose, that competition. Mm. I need it to live. So um, rugby and hockey as a kid, football, um, team sports, really. And normally <laughs> ones where I get to, you know, batter somebody. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a good job this it's is virtual, is isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, have you been enjoying the World Cup? I have, actually, yeah. It's a weird old time, isn't it, for it, though? Mm. You watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I, I watched the England and, and the Welsh games when they were still, still, uh, still there. Uh. Yeah, poor old Wales. I did want them to do well, to be fair. But it's, um, it's nice now because since the Euros, my eldest lad has just, he's nine. And since the Euros, he absolutely got kind of inspired by it. He'd never played, he'd never really been interested. But mm-hmm. he's gone football mad since then. So we have a great time. It's like peak dad time when your uh, sons are like, right, what should we do? Play football, watch football, watch FIFA, talk about football. You know, it's just... Um, uh, when dad comes in into his element I think mm, yeah that's something that I never really had with my dad he had um, my older brother who was a punk um, sort of weirdo computer geek then they had me that was a tap dancing violin playing <laughs> um, little gay boy and then uh, my little brother who's the football fan and that's the one that my dad bonded with loads when we were kids but, you know it's changed now a bit but it, it was definitely very much me and Matthew were kept out of it and Andrew was the golden child uh, the easy ride with the football link it's uh, funny isn't it though mm. I'd, I'd never realised until now and I'm ferrying my own kids about how much time and effort 
Um, how many kids have you got then? Let's just go straight back into it. Uh, so I got two. I got two boys um, who, yeah, keep us busy. Uh, it's uh, one of the challenges of the job, actually, because one of the things I learned through. You've got two kids and balancing, I suppose, work life and family life. Is that what we were talking about? Yeah, so I was saying that um, through lockdown, actually working from home, and we were all kind of working from home at that time, I spent a lot more time just seeing my kids. Obviously, they were at home a lot more as well um, and realised I actually quite liked them. Uh, who knew? <laughs> and um, yeah, so just kind of thought, you know what, you only live once, you only have them once. And I'm lucky enough to be in Parliament and, and be quite young and have time on my hands from that perspective. So, you know, you don't get that time with your kids back. So I just decided to... Uh, spend a bit less time in Westminster and focus on some more local stuff, which is nice because I'm at home a bit more now. So mm. um, that helps all around. I think. And you, you're quite young to be an MP, aren't you? So are there many MPs with young families? Yeah, quite a lot, actually, because I started, um, I had kids quite young as well. I was 23 when we had the first one, mm-hmm. um, the eldest. So um, I had you know, uh, kids quite young, but a lot of people, you know, well into their 30s now before they start, aren't they? So um, even yeah. MPs in their kind of late 30s and 40s have got, you know, primary age kids there's quite a few you occasionally see somebody you know late night votes and whatever traipsing through the voting lobbies you know trailing kids behind them you think Gosh. i love that um, yeah it's, <laughs> i mean great and uh, and all um you know wonderful in one sense and then you think god it is you know we really need to kind of figure this place out and make it a bit more of a modern workplace from that point of view do they have a good crash they do have a good crash to be fair um mm. which you, you can't knock but um yeah, it's antisocial hours and stuff, really. Like, it, it was made at a time when, you know, people used to, all these rich Londoners used to do their business in the morning and then come down in the afternoon, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it sits till, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night on a regular basis. Is the job everything you thought it would be? Um, that's a difficult question. Um, in some ways, I guess, and in some ways really not. Like, um, I've found it can be incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. I find the local stuff more rewarding. So, you know, if somebody comes into the office, you know, something awful's happened, services aren't working properly, I need your help. And you can dive in and you can, you know, send some angry letters and make some angry phone calls to some services, you know, child maintenance or uh, benefits officer, wherever it may be. You can sort things out for people. Um, and that's really rewarding because, you know, that, just to see that you've, you've made that change in somebody's life. Um, and that's great. Uh, other times, I think, you know, you spend a lot of time, you come down to Westminster and you've kind of finished your work. But like I was saying about any social hours, you just sat here waiting or you're missing things that you could be doing because you just sat here because it's really not a very modern place to work. It's not a very healthy mm-hmm. work environment either, to be honest. Um, just the nature of, as I say, the hours and the buildings and the, the kind of um, social life of it. You just get like stuck in the building for 12 hours and you can't leave. I've never actually been into Westminster Palace. You should. Everyone should visit, um, mm. you know, briefly. Uh, but um, <laughs> Briefly. Yeah, when you're, you know, uh, you know, kind of demanded that you're here um, and literally cannot leave the building, you know, until 10, 11 o'clock at night, it can get a bit wearing. I want an invite. I want, you know, I've spoken to, to, to you know, lots of MPs and some um, people that work there and stuff, but I, and I have been invited, but... I haven't made time, actually. It's my fault, isn't it? Shocking. If you've been invited and you've not come, you've only got yourself to blame, really, haven't you? Do you know um, Claire Pearsall? Uh, Caroline Noakes. Caroline Noakes, I do, yeah. Her secretary, I think. Yeah? Yeah, I did an episode with her, and she's, she invited me down, and 
I still haven't taken her up on it. No, well, come along. I'm inviting you again. There we go. Invite from Ben, ben Bradley to beat me up. <laughs> Scared of you now. <laughs> I can manage without competitive sports for like short periods. I, I can be competitive, but you know, like a game of pool. <laughs> yeah, see, you spend too much time in the pub, but that's the problem. That's about it. My well, wife is saying, thrashes me at all that stuff. Really, the only time I go into a pub is I'm in a band and it's to do, it's, it's, people say, do you want a night out? Fancy a night out? I'm like, I'll just add one. But it's literally working, doing a gig. That's it. But there was a pool yeah, table in the pub. I'm super jelly because I'm really kind of secret musical. I remember I, you said you sung Ed Sheeran, didn't you? Yeah, I, I sang the, the my first dance at uh, my first dance, our first dance <laughs> at our wedding, um, and like recorded it in a studio and something. It was one of the best things I've ever done. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I'm one of those like secret kind of guitarists for myself, and my God, nobody could ever hear this kind of people. So it was quite a, a relief, like a release, to be able to go in record something and play it like that it was really nice now you say that that nobody can hear i would love for you to whatsapp me over that recording later <laughs> please <laughs> i wish i had probably got the uh, audio somewhere do not tell me that you don't know where it is don't tell me that you don't listen don't to it at least once really a week nice video it was amazing i like did this lovely video with my best man and we did like a proper music video to it and i can't find wow. that anywhere for the life of me but I've got the audio somewhere. Oh, what, how gutting is that that you can't find it? I know. Just, you know, when you like change phones or laptops or whatever and all mm. this stuff just disappears. So I'll have to fish it out from somewhere. You sound like uh, very much a family man. Um, how much has the job impacted on your family? Um, it has a bit, yeah. I mean, some stuff you just get on with, don't you? So lots mm-hmm. of people work away. It's not just MPs. Loads of people do or work long shifts and all the rest of it. So can't really complain about that. Kind of signed up for that. Um, but that does have its challenges, as, as you know, other people who do that will know. Um, but I think the bigger stuff is more like some of the other things that come with the job. So, you know, we've had uh, some kind of difficult times with like security or threats or other bits that are quite hard or... Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even you know I actually live just outside my constituency um, kind of a few miles up the road and even there you still get you know direct kind of criticism from even like parents at the, your primary school who can't kind of separate you know I'm dropping my kids off at school from um, from the politics so um, some of that can be quite tricky to navigate like like nasty nasty comments or, or just yeah never to your face though you know like you get um, messages or comments or tweets or things that you know, it's like, I know that that's such and such as dad from year four. And mm. he walks past me every day, <laughs> never says a word. And then he's like sending ranty abuse at me on Facebook. He won't uh, after this podcast, will he? Yeah. Now he knows you're like beating people up for sport. Ah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I want to grab a headline with that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually, do you know what I did? Um, let's talk about that. When we did LBC, um, and I probably had the wrong impression of you beforehand. And I actually thought you were a really genuinely nice bloke. And I couldn't wait to, to do this episode with you, actually. But one thing that you did mention that day, I think you said something about your kids had been called Nazis or something. And I thought that's just yeah. not right. Well, I, you, it was nice to meet you, actually, because I often find that, and I, I get it loads, parents in the constituency or people who just go, oh, you know, you're not what I expected. Like, you're actually quite nice. <laughs> and, and I just think, God, you know, when you read stuff, if you just like Google me uh, and it's got like a list of sh- the stupidest things I've ever said or things that have been <laughs> misreported or misinterpreted or used for political ends. And sometimes just because I've said something daft without thinking. And then everybody who ever looks for me, the first thing they find is like the worst things you've ever done. 
and then you get you know if we all got judged by the stupidest things we'd ever said all the time mm -hmm. then god wouldn't the world be a horrible place so everybody i think gets that impression of me and then we have a chat I, my, one of my favorite things was a parent at a primary school once i went and did like the awards assembly on a friday afternoon you know they sit and like oh i'm in gold book or whatever and you hand out the certificates um i was chatting with all the kids they're the same age as my kids and stuff so uh, and one of the mums came up at the end and just said like i've been really horrible to you but actually you were lovely today and i'll never be mean again and i'll vote for and all the rest of it um you know if only you could go and meet everybody uh it would be be really nice but yeah so you you asked about my kids and i went off on a massive tangent um <laughs> that's, <laughs> so fine. They, that's fine yeah so they got called um uh yeah so somebody managed to get photos of them from somewhere um and tweeted loads of stuff about them being like little not they're like blonde and tall and whatever you know little nazis um god which is horrible yeah uh, they were about four and six or something stupid at the time and then um actually the same guy ended up making threats against my wife and threatened to kidnap my wife um which was quite difficult um, yeah i'd imagine <laughs> so the police went and knocked his door down and managed to find him turned out it was some spotty kid living at his mum's house Jesus. Um, just obviously no concept of what impact his kind of words had had Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's easy to tap away from a keyboard isn't it but, um, yes and I've been guilty of that I've been guilty of sitting on the other side of a screen and saying things that I wouldn't necessarily say to someone's face I've now tried to change that and I don't say anything that I wouldn't say to someone's face but then I can be quite confrontational <laughs> in real life just started screaming at people yeah you know, we, we keep we're even doing legislation like right now, uh, mm -hmm. as we speak, mm -hmm. um, about you know making things legal or illegal online, same as they are offline. Same you know crimes in effect. It should be the same, right? Social etiquette online. If you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, then don't say it online. Absolutely, I, I, I get so sick of these anonymous accounts and uh, you know with no pictures on or anything, and they feel like they can they're in, well they're emboldened to say what they want and do what they want because there's no sort of comeback. It's like getting your wing mirror knocked off by a bike in the street <laughs> they can just drive off and then there's no comeback yeah but then ride off like sometimes it's worse the other way you know when i've had some run-ins with some proper like celebs yeah and then you just get into a battle of like who's got the most twitter followers mm. and whether you're right or wrong is irrelevant because they've got three million followers yeah um, yeah and some of that stuff is unhealthy as well you can't get into a debate anymore it's just like pylons and stuff isn't it yeah, I, I, I tend to do more blocking and muting these days than I ever did before. Um, but I also think that it's very important to not sit in an echo chamber. So I try not to block and mute. It's just the certain accounts that just say the same thing all the time that I can't. Yeah, but I try not to because I want I want the balance of opinions of from all different sides. But some people I just can't do it. No, absolutely. And then even, you know, you shouldn't have to put yourself through that kind of stuff, could you? should you at the end of the day? Like, the more you put yourself out, the more you get back. And there's an extent to which you kind of expect that, I suppose. But you get that from constituents sometimes, you know, like you, I, I pay your wages and therefore you must listen to every horrible, awful thing I want to say about you. <laughs> uh, and you shouldn't be able to kind of block or remove or anything like that. Uh, that's not how it's going to work, but I'm just going to get rid of you. So, uh, with that in mind and with what you've told me about um, that, horrible guy as well how much does this impact on your mental health uh, it can be a challenge like most of the just abusive stuff mm. you just think like you're an idiot so ignore it or block it or whatever but can you um, though that i can but the, the stuff that i find difficult is where like we were talking about you know when people have clearly made a massive moral judgment about you mm -hmm. based on 
things they've read or things they've seen that just don't uh, I just sit and think like that is not me and this person like hates me and has somehow without ever meeting me decided they hate me with a passion yeah. I find that really difficult um not least because you know uh, as as we've talked about you know very often the things that are written you know are, are not representative of me on a day-to-day basis or represent the worst things you've done as opposed to you know the the kind of person you are I find that really difficult to manage just because well it's not nice to be hated in that sense is it? it's not nice to feel like that Mm. Um, mm. but I find ways to kind of combat it I suppose you um sport I, uh, sport yeah release <laughs> just try and go and do something else take your mind off it uh, it's like stupid stuff as well you know I just sit at night and maybe play play football manager or something daft and just think about something else or I actually ended up for a while it was quite well when some of the trickier times I suppose when I have said something stupid or when there's been something that's like been a catalyst to a load of of crap from that perspective I ended up doing like you know those kind of sleep apps where you find some Mm -hmm. Irish lady who says like breathe in (laughs) breathe breathe out and just kind of (laughs) just try and like clear your head um because I was just struggling to sleep and whatever but you find ways to deal with it, don't you? Does it always have to be an Irish lady? <laughs> always the Irish lady. Don't you think like that Irish accent adds like an extra two out of ten? I do actually love the Irish accent. Really, like love the Irish accent. I spoke to a lady three episodes ago, um, Dr. Claire Hayes, and she's an Irish lady, an expert in anxiety. Maybe it's her that you've been listening to. Maybe. Maybe she got some Spotify sleep podcast. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her. She's very clever woman and yeah her voice was just gorgeous yeah mm. take the recommendation i'll have a google i absolutely and she 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 knows her stuff um let's talk politics then for a bit with the polls where they are at the minute are you scared uh, define scared i mean it's obviously not easy um, okay let me let me reword that do you, how long do you want to be an mp for uh, if you if you had the I choice the, the, i'd like to do it for a bit longer um I don't think it's healthy to be here for, you know, people in the past have been here 30, 40 years. Mm. I also don't think, I don't think that's healthy for starters because we mm. lose touch with the world. But I also don't think people would really want to do that anymore. Like you go back to some people who were here and have kind of left Ken Clark and people like that have been here forever. Mm-hmm. It was a different world. Like he came down, put your smoking jacket on, went for a cigar and read legislation. Uh, and there was no social media. There were no emails. There, were no, there was no intensity to the job in the same way that there is now. And I just can't imagine people wanting to do that for your whole life anymore. Um, but I don't know. I'd like to go on more. I'd like to be in government at some point, although I've decided to do local things for the time being. I kind of made that decision on the basis that, you know, I'm 32 and I've got time to still only for a week in government at some point. Yeah, only for a week. That's <laughs> the way it works at the minute. It's my turn to be prime minister middle of next year. Two weeks. <laughs> I meant I meant you're only 32 for a week, but you're, oh, am, yeah. but what you took was even better. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm getting used to the most cynical versions of questions, right? I'm assuming there's a conspiracy in it somewhere. Um, no, so, I don't know. I I'll stand again. Um, Would but, you yeah, have been so, in government if Kemi had uh, become leader? I'd like to think so, um, but you make your choices, don't you? And I, I've chosen to go and um, I'm the leader of a council. Um, and I do that because, uh, A, because it means I'm up, up north a little bit more, mm. um, which is good for kind of family and balance. Absolutely. Um, and B, because it gives me the the actual 
tangible kind of levers in decision making to do things. Because one of the things I found really frustrating about this place, you say, is the job everything you thought it would be earlier on. People think you can decide everything and do everything. And actually, as a backbench MP outside of government, you've got no power over anything. Um, you can try and influence people with power and you're in a position to you know, bring people together and try and influence, but you've got no decision making power. Um, so I've, I kind of found that frustrating. I enjoy being able to go and decide something and invest in something or change something and see it and see the impact on my community, which is why I've found the council stuff really rewarding. So <laughs> the options as well from that point of view, you know, it doesn't fill me with fear, this idea of an election. You, 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 your seat's quite marginal, isn't it? It was. So in 2017, it was a thousand. I know it's creeped up. But... Um, 16 and a half now. That's, um, yeah, that's, look, look, the, look at the by-elections. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. So, I mean, mine, mine was the single biggest increase in votes anywhere in the country in mm. the last election. Went from a thousand to 16 and a half. I, part of me thinks if it can go up that fast, it can come down that fast. Um, oh, yeah, that's another way of looking know, at it. Yeah. But also, in the back of my head, you know, if I lose a 16,500 majority, then as a party, we've just been absolutely thumped. <laughs> and there's nothing that, you know, there's 250 seats that will go before mine. So it's really hard to predict. Do you see that as a possibility then? It could happen. Um, but two years is a long time, you know. It's going to be autumn of 24, I would have thought. Uh, I think in June 19, we were on about. 19 20 points in the polls and then we won mm -hmm. an 80 seat majority in december so you know things can change pretty rapidly um, massively yeah and two years is a long time how many more prime ministers will we have had before then ah well on the current <laughs> what six weekly cycle Trajectory, yeah. um, quite a few I imagine. <laughs> okay, um, so let me ask the question liz truss <laughs> what uh, was that about what coming back no good god <laughs> no. please not um, look, I, I feel for her in some ways. I felt I for her, to be fair. Uh, I'll get battered on Twitter in. for saying that, but I felt for her. But, you know, this is it's important though, right? That Because you try something and it doesn't work, it doesn't make you a bad person, right? <laughs> and that, I think that we sometimes forget that as well. She came in and she wanted to do something different. And I agree with the premise of most of the things she was trying to do. I agree with this idea of, you know, small estate, low tax, um, more independence and more freedom to make your own decisions and growth as a... a you know, life-changing thing for people in communities, that, that kind of new jobs and all of that. Uh, all of that's right. I think she mishandled it, which is really frustrating, not only for her because, you know, a lot of flack and everything that came from it. She's got young kids as well, right? Um, mm. So on a personal level, I imagine it's difficult. But actually, truthfully, because those ideas, I think, are really important and it's damaged the ideas. And, and now to be able to kind of come back and say, well, you know, I want to be the next Prime Minister and I believe in growth and low tax and small state and all the rest of it. People are going to go, hang on, didn't we try that under this trust and didn't that go horribly wrong? Like mm -hmm. it's damaged the whole, the whole premise of it all. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was certainly a, an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, it's difficult again because, you know, you want politicians, you want leaders who are going to be brave and aren't just going to go along with things because that's how we've always done it or because you know we're, we're tricking along like i've got if i've got a vision for what i want to achieve then great go and do it mm -hmm. just managed it really badly um uh, and that's incredibly frustrating because we're you know back to where we were in many ways same people and same plans as pre-boris in many ways do you do you like all mps kind of stay near parliament when you're in london or are you all scattered uh, out everywhere Depends where you're from. Most MPs who trek in from distance will stay near Parliament somewhere. Um, 
I'm only here, you know, one, maybe two nights, so I'd stay in a hotel. Okay. Um, okay. If you're here every night, you might have a flat, or it might work out cheaper to have mm-hmm. a, a flat. Um, Dope but yeah, a lot <laughs> live within, well, yeah, not down here. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, a lot live in kind of commutable distance as well. If you're within an hour, you might go home. It's uh, a big student village type thing. Yeah, like, people have said that all the time. I could only assume, I mean, there must be a security implication to that, I would have yeah. thought, but, um, or the cost of security of it all. Just don't stay there November the 5th. Hotels, yeah, God. Um, <laughs> but I also, you know, buying or um, doing something like that at the cost of probably several billion pounds in mm. central London would probably not go down very well either. Or not. Yeah, probably not. Maybe do it in Manchester and get HS2 going. Hey, I am all for moving it up to, you know, roughly kind of North Nottinghamshire would be a great place to put it. <laughs> Why? Because it would be walking my, distance. Yeah, my work-life balance would be excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you ever get to, do you have like a a best mate in Parliament? Uh, yeah, a few. Um, so there's some like... Uh, uh, the old Tories. Uh, best mates, yeah, because you don't, I mean, I, I know and get on with lots of Labour MPs, but, you know, you, mm. know, you know, hang about. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, some people who came in with me largely, like 2017 people in a similar boat. So people like, um, Simon Clark in Middlesbrough, Lee Rowley, who's a Derbyshire, so he's close to me. We mm-hmm. kind of came in at the same time, similar views on things and, um, you know, kind of get together and put the world to rights on occasion or people mm-hmm. like Andrew Bowie, who is a Scottish MP, but came in at the same time, got young kids and stuff, same as me and just got a lot in common. So yeah there's some really good kind of relationships here as well and particularly in those first couple of years because we were dealing with all the brexit stuff and it was really difficult um gotcha. kind of forge some bonds in in chaos as well from that point of view. at that point did you think what the fuck have i let myself in for <laughs> you know that's exactly what i thought yeah um it's like the the world broke after that election and it's just been constant chaos ever since um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, I, I take no blame for, I don't think it was my arrival that did it, but it feels like that sometimes. It could have um, been. Could have been. <laughs> Who knows how these things, you know, chain of consequences. It's not. Like not. But, um, no, the world's gone mad, but no, it was mad. And I would never have imagined, you know, probably nine months after arriving here to mm-hmm. be sat in the Prime Minister's office saying like, you've got to go, this is ridiculous, like you've blown this. Mm-hmm. Um, having come in as a new MP, the idea that you'd be, that saying that to the prime minister within a year just would never cross your mind but it was such a chaotic time it was mad yeah it certainly um makes you part of history and that it makes you all part of history and that is a massive thing that happened and if you think before 2016 talking about the abuse that you've received and the and the, you know kids getting called nazis and stuff mm. i don't think that would have happened pre-2016 no i think there's the, the the binary nature of the Brexit debate, I think, made for some kind of anger. You're either, you know, I'm right, and if you disagree, then you're a horrible person. And that is kind mm. of maybe where it starts. But I think COVID's not helped either. I think people, my experience of correspondence and things is people are just much more negative than they mm-hmm. were a couple of years ago, just as an outlook. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, maybe found the same thing, but I certainly feel like post kind of COVID and lockdowns and all of that, people just have a, a more negative view of the world okay, okay. matt hancock <laughs> yes <laughs> did you receive any correspondence regarding him over the last some month? correspondence regarding him yes really um, yeah not loads to be fair but it's hard isn't it because on the one hand you know it goes back to you know are you an mp or are you a human being on a, and from an mp perspective stupid thing to do right you can't possibly do your job from there 
um, mm. and you know, particularly because he was the former health secretary as the COVID inquiry was starting, I think it wound a lot of people up, and understandably so. But I do, I do see. I mean, don't buy into any of the bullshit about I'm going to talk about dyslexia. But the, <laughs> the I think on a human level, the chance to talk about all of that on a more natural human footing mm-hmm. actually i think he's, he's done him good in people's minds the idea that you know matt is personally to blame for covid and things that went wrong and people who died when i'm going to clip that bit out yeah, matt, matt is personally to blame i'm joking i won't <laughs> don't you dare um no and but if you can look beyond right so he's somebody actually along with all sorts of people in government who would have spent you know, 70 hours a week through that period trying to help people and he wouldn't have got it all right and some things would have gone wrong and lots of people died because mm. of COVID, not because of Matt. Um, you know, but that's the, the nature of, we like to point fingers or have something to, to kind of blame, don't we? You know, if you die of, of cancer these days, it's the NHS's fault, not because of cancer. Um, and I just think the chance for him to talk about that actually openly has probably done him some good and maybe done politicians some good from that point of view. <laughs> Possibly. I'm also wondering now if what we were just talking about, about things being very black and white these days and you have to take a side, is it harder to concede anything from your side as well? Well, I think there's a bit of... Uh, it's harder to concede because you, you never get to make the detailed or nuanced argument or it doesn't go anywhere, right? So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, for example... Uh, I got in a big spat with Marcus Rashford, which was jolly. Oh, Marcus Rashford's PR company who runs his Twitter account. And they... But that was uh, had, good watching yeah. the England games. Yeah, it was jolly. Um, <laughs> we have... Um, every time he scores, people look at me and go, ooh. Um, <laughs> no. So, um, but we were... About the free meals? Yeah, but we were saying the same thing in reality, right? So he's saying we need to help more kids and give more kids food during school holidays during covid i'm saying absolutely but free school meals is not the right mechanism to deliver that because some kids will miss out for this reason other kids will miss out for this reason we need to do something bigger and more flexible than that um and all that came across was marcus rashford wants to feed children ben bradley disagrees therefore he doesn't want to feed children whereas actually what i was saying was we do need to but there are different mechanisms we could use that would reach more kids and there's no nuance in it there's no ability to put across detail because everything has to be done in 140 characters mm. so you don't get to make that case and it's almost like a battle of who's got the most twitter followers as opposed to what is the actual conversation we're having here yeah um and then it can be really difficult a in that case you want to go back and say actually you know you're wrong and this is what i mean but there's no point because you can't you get drowned out by the 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 kind of negativity about it and then in other cases where actually you have cocked things up it's really difficult to go back and say you know, all right, I've cocked it all. Because in many ways, you, you reopen it back up to, you know, a load of abuse and stuff thrown at you. Um, so sometimes it's better if you get something wrong to just keep your head down and pretend it's not happened, which is not a healthy thing either from a, a democratic point of view. But you can see why people don't want to hold hands up to things. Has that ever been resolved, though? Have you been able to reach out and actually speak to him or his or his people rather than just no, twitter and um but i tried to i emailed him at the time i have nothing against the guy um as i said i don't know how much 
he probably don't even know who I am from that point. It's difficult, isn't it? Because to say it's probably <laughs> sure some PR guy running his Twitter account. Um, <laughs> so you know, nothing against him from my perspective. But as I say, we were arguing for the same things, and it's just funny now. People go, "Aren't you that guy who said don't feed the kids?" When actually, you know, I'm the council leader who personally takes the decisions to implement all that stuff, and I am, and I'm actually the version that the government implemented was my version <laughs> with the more flexible system, with the more um, local and, uh, and flexible version of delivery. So we reached more because of you, result, because, of you. because of the, the argument that I made at the time. Do you, but, uh, what, you know, what, how does that feel then? Try telling anybody that it's mad, um, you know, and that will never, that will never come across. Actually in the end, what they did was free school meals plus giving councils some extra cash that was flexible so you could fill the gaps and find and target any families that missed out on free school meals which was exactly what i argued for and exactly what the government did um as a result of the fact that i argued for it um but you know if you ask anyone who was there at the time they'll tell you i hate kids (laughs) for the record i do not Uh, yeah i can cut that bit out as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for the record i hate kids yeah absolutely just merge it together as you wish now i spoke to the lib dem candidate for the city of chester last two weeks ago and he pulled me back to being a lib dem voter nearly not quite but you know he could have done what would you say to try and convince me if i was to say to you i could never vote tory i have done it in the past by the way but shh yeah, well, I think that's really sad. And I, I guess um, uh, the the only thing I can really point to is, is results in the end is, is what will matter. Now, I'm um, as frustrated as anybody at the time that it takes to deliver things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, look at my own constituency, you know, I don't know, don't know your area, I can't point to things in your neck of the woods, but certainly for my constituents, you know, I would like to point at, um, you know, the £20 billion clean energy investment we've just got. that will Rob Roberts. Thousands of... That's um, my. <laughs> that's your reason why, is it? It's, it's, it's a bloody good reason. Come on. <laughs> well, uh, he's not a Conservative MP anymore. Anymore. Right? anymore. Um, but look, so I, I, I would point to the, the, the positive impact of the agenda. So we've got tons, hundreds of millions of investment in my neck of the woods that in time will become visible and apparent. Um, mm. The national phase is, is, you know, the national viewpoint is more difficult. We are, um, you know, uncovering people from all parties, for the record, who, you know, uh, coming across as not great characters. We're also finding some witch hunts, to be fair, or people who've been accused of things and slated all over the media and then it's found that they've not done anything, which is equally um, mm. frustrating. But this whole atmosphere around, you know, this uh, conversations about sleaze and all of it, just is so unhelpful to, to all of us because um, it just paints everybody in a negative light. On a local level, even, I've got um, opposition independent councillors who've been arrested for all sorts of um you know alleged fraud and all sorts of things and you just think god like Mm. why does this job attract people like that i suppose it's a section of society but then there's if you see people from from a public point of view if i see people being able to get away with the what seems like the most heinous of crimes obviously it's not um, and 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 or like seemingly nothing's done. Then maybe if I was that mind that way minded, I'd be thinking, yeah, I want to be over there. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, I don't know. I think there's a bit of um, the the weird nature of this place, right? So if you combine weird power dynamics, you've got MPs and junior staff all locked in a building till late at night that's got bars in it. Don't be surprised <laughs> if something goes wrong. Mm. Um, and actually, you could resolve that really easily, but you know, nobody wants to. Um, if you just had normal working hours 
um, for starters, and you, you worked kind of nine to five instead of, you know, two till bloody midnight. Um, Were any of the so, workers in those bars given PPE contra- contracts? <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> Um, ask Matt you know it's not a question I directly <laughs> tend to ask people when I first meet them um, but you know maybe I will me neither that. it wasn't my first question to be <laughs> fair um, so yeah but there's things we could do to resolve it but it, it needs an appetite for, for like a major overhaul and they're just never all the people here who get involved in conversations about the way that the place works tend to be the traditionalists who want to preserve the way the, the place works rather than people who really want to change it and make it more modern mm. which I find really frustrating what is the most stressful thing about the job for you to me there's a couple of things one is is that frustration of there's something i really want to do and actually sometimes everybody's saying yes we want to do it ministers are saying government's saying it everything everyone's agreeing and yet it's not happening and Mm. you kind of look at the process and go why is it and there's just like a computer says no in the system somewhere (laughs) it just can be infuriating um uh, you know uh, the the process of government at the time everything takes is ridiculous Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is probably what we were just talking about. You know, when people have that uh, just the, the totally wrong impression of you, um, and there's no, there's just no feasible way that you can overcome that. And you've just got to kind of sit and go, well, you know, thanks. <laughs> How would that sit if you were a people pleaser? And that is me asking, are you a people pleaser? Um, not really. It'd be really difficult if you if you want mm. everybody to like you. As Boris found to his cost, right? You mm-hmm. want everybody to like you, um, and you're all very jolly and you know uh, and personable, brilliant character. I love him, but that why? Comes, it comes with his problems as well, doesn't it? And all the reasons that he's potentially so great are the reasons that brought him down. Because actually, being that character and trying to please everybody leads you to make decisions that are poor, uh, and leads you to do the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you can't be that right in this job. You've got to take decisions that are um, practical and deliverable and the right thing, not because you know somebody's asked you and you want to keep them happy um actually one of the most refreshing things that liz trust said to actually um was you know i'm willing to be unpopular in order to do the right thing i mean she went a bit overboard on the Wait, she won um she won yeah, <laughs> she wouldn't have been meant, unpopular she did win at that um i'm not sure that's what she meant when she said it but you know actually i thought that was quite refreshing to just you know this is what i believe in and i'm going to do it even if the daily mirror tell me i'm an arsehole i think well, that's quite a healthy healthy attitude well i heard someone today talking about uh, kia starmer's uh plans for the lords and mm. saying that he's 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 changing something that would actually be to his benefit if he didn't change it and that's quite admirable or he wants um, to you know change it uh, what to his benefit in the sense that it's weighted towards the opposition the lords to, he could pack them out with his people uh, like yeah, I think yeah. Tony Blair might have done. Yeah, we all can, can't we? If we want to, I mean, it, the Lords is there's a use for it as a place because it, it scrutinises legislation and that's important. Right? Mm. MPs debate stuff and get into the high level, but the Lords look at the detail and and the impact of what every bit of legislation says, and that's really important. Or we'll make even worse laws. Um, now I do uh, quite a bit for mental health. Can, is there any chance you can put my name down for the lords uh, <laughs> for anything we'll for, for, it's quite just a long a title. of like you know people who've had um covid contracts and stuff <laughs> it's <there now. laughs> a joke for the record Richard. <laughs> that bit's getting cut out the joke bit <laughs> <laughs> really enjoying this chat but don't worry i won't keep you too much longer it's right. been really nice getting getting to know um the real guy behind the the food snatcher <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be on my gravestone later. 
God. Don't, don't. So back to what I was saying before about how long you'd like to be um, an MP for. Are you thinking that you might lose your seat? It's always possible. And I think if you're ever in a place where you don't believe that could ever happen, then you've been here too long. Um, mm. You know, I've got a decent majority, but it could go easily. I think there's a there's a, a real practical implication on a personal level, right? Regardless of people's views of, you know, oh, we'll elect who we want and it's democracy and all the rest of it, absolutely right. On a personal level, obviously, it's your mortgage, isn't it? You know, it's mm-hmm. your, um, your livelihood. So, of course, you're always worried about it. Um, and I'm not somebody who's come from money, right? When I got elected as an MP, my salary, like, doubled overnight. Um, so... So I can work out your salary before. It's still quite <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, well, it was all right. But it's not like, you know, I've come from some business uh, uh, where I'm yeah. a millionaire and I'll go back to it. Um, You're not, yeah. You know, I just no, have to find another career. And particularly, I mean, it's it's it maybe seems crass to say, but actually, if I leave this job and I apply for other jobs... And the first thing people see when they Google me is all the, the worst things I've ever done on Wikipedia. Um, you know, how employable are you? Mm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I see. I, I see your point there. <laughs> so start doing some so good things. Tricky. <laughs> it is tricky from that point of view. Yeah, um, I bet it is. So that, that, so that must, must be a fit. Well, there's, there's a few um, jump in ship, aren't there? Like, I was going to say some of the 2019 in take, but there's also Sajid Javid and stuff that are saying that they won't yeah. run again. I think some have not been here very long find, and quite a lot of people find it's a real shock to the system and, and not what you thought. And um, I think if you don't make good relationships and you don't have things outside of Parliament that kind of keep you grounded, then you can easily get lost here. And I've had, you know, friends who've ended up in a really difficult kind of place mentally from just being here, mm-hmm. um, uh, who've then left and just said, you know what, sod it, it's not worth it. Um, but equally, people like Sajid, I think, um, have just had a career, you know, been as Secretary of State in about every department, Sarge, I think, over the last um, 10 years, uh, and will move on and do something else. I mean, there's much to read into it. It's just kind of had his time, I suppose, and fancies a different challenge. Um, what makes you cry? <laughs> oh, I actually, I'm more emotional than I let on. Um, oh, did you know what made me ask that question? I was just picked, I was going to ask you, how does it feel on election night to win an election? And I thought, you know what, if it was me, I'd probably cry. So that's what yeah. made me ask that question. I don't think I cried at the time, although I probably <laughs> wasn't far off. The thing, I've never been more nervous in my life, though, than that first one, because we really? meant to win. But the, the thing that makes me cry, I, I say I'm, I'm more emotional than I, I've let on, in that since I've had kids, mm. absolutely anything to do with, like, kids kind of in pain or whatever, like stories about such and such has lost their child or whatever mm-hmm. all of that just i can't help myself i'm like bawling like a baby yeah. um and i think it's just you know when you reflect on what that would be like in your own life with your own children mm-hmm. that really really upsets me well that's empathy isn't it that's something that you probably get accused of not having any of tories have empathy you heard it here first well absolutely I, can can you just say no, no. <laughs> so you can cut that <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I need to avoid using that word for the rest of the thing now. You've said it at least a few times. Uh, I'm sure you said uh, no to Liz Truss, no to (laughs) Boris Johnson. (laughs) Oh, what about what about um, Rishi Sunak? How do you feel about him? What about him? How do you feel about him? You can't really slag him off because he's the current head head, headmaster. I was going to say that (laughs) headmaster. Same thing. Um, Don't ever make me a prefect. I think. He's a, look, uh, he's the right person for the time. I think um, we've had chaos for, for months, haven't we, really, since mm. the spring. And Rishi's somebody who can come in and just steady the ship. And I think there's a lot to be said, actually, for just 
not having chaos for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get to the end of that, I'd like to see a, a properly kind of traditional small C conservative vision for the way forward, because I don't believe that, you know, ever more spending and, and whatever is actually sustainable, uh, even mm-hmm. in the medium term, it needs to be a different plan. Um, but for the time being, you know, more power to his elbow at just keeping us out of the newspapers every day. That'd be helpful. Yeah, there's been a few years now of it's the newspapers are well. At least you've done us a favour that you've taken kind of um, Love Island off the front pages for a few years. Yeah, Goodo. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what we live for. Um, it's certainly not what I live for. What are your hobbies so, other than sport? I wish I had some now. I, I do a yeah, little bit of sport where I've got time. Um, I actually mainly kind of support my kids with stuff now, just time-wise. So, um, do you not get account. time to do your own thing, see your own friends, listen to your own music? Well, I do yeah, occasionally, but um, I coach the under-10s hockey team. I do a bit with the under-9s kind of <laughs> football where my kids play. So that's my weekends, really. Um, I like my, my free time is like driving, which sounds really weird. It, not but to I me know. i absolutely love driving yeah i have now like a kind of a 40 minute commute if i go like to the council or whatever i got 40 minutes each way and i just love like music up belting songs out when you think nobody can hear you in your car but actually everybody oh, can everyone can um, i've seen the youtube can. videos yeah but i love that i just like it's a release you know think about something else and just do something you enjoy favorite singer favorite God, or band me right on the spot. No, you know when people say that they know the answer absolutely but they're embarrassed i always think <laughs> um i don't know i like uh, come on say it like... spice girls say oh, it yeah no yeah absolutely right it's actually the spice girls yeah um, well apparently jerry's a big tory so well what more could you want um <laughs> i like um also like rocky indie stuff um okay. dragons or bastille or people like that that's My the type of music that i like to sing that, that yeah, that's my favorite um a, a push green day i don't say it, a push i actually really oh, like green day really mine was the spice girls <laughs> no mine was the spice girls but i'm a big massive fan of beverly night massive fan of it i've seen her a few times love her yeah absolutely i do see the spice girls movie i think when i was younger i went to see it on the day it was released with my ex-girlfriend and she still didn't work it out <laughs> you queue up with your like british flag dress on and she never guessed well i hope so i've been around to her house i've, been, I've, I've met up with her a few times with my partners over the years <laughs> thank you very much for joining me today i um, really enjoyed getting to know the um the school meal snatcher and finding mm-hmm. out what he's really like <laughs> <laughs> dark and satanic dark and satanic exactly what you want from your Tory MPs <laughs> that's what you vote for yeah 100%. <laughs> do you know what it's been an absolute joy talking to you and um, thank you so much there's a lot of editing going to have to be done oh yes um, listen have an amazing birthday next week um, don't worry about being 33 worry about getting to your 40s like me uh, depressing isn't it Hey, at least you've done life. At least you've got your kids and stuff. I've got a couple of badly behaved dogs and two loud budgies. Plenty of time. 40s and 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell that to my uh, receding hairline. <laughs> right. Um, take care. Have a lovely birthday. Thank you very much again for joining me. And um, as much as it pains me, I wish you luck in the next election. Bless you. I'll take that. <laughs> take that with me. Um, I will see you when you take up the invitation to come for drinking parliament. 
Oh, you didn't say drink. I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> See you soon.